I always thought to myself, if I were to work at a company, what values do I want that company to exhibit? And how do I want them to picture me as an employee? Yeah. So when I identified, for example, oh, like when I was at Google, it's a great culture where you're able to work closely with your manager and your peers mm -hmm. and you're helping others for the greater good. Then I said to myself, okay, let's exhibit that same value into consulting when we hire. Mm -hmm. So it's come a lot from the experiences that I've had, okay. but also from the people that I've associated and spoken with. Have you enjoyed listening to the Incredible Paul podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to incredipaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to link in my socials bio and click on the Incredipaul shop. Looking forward to seeing your Incredipaul look. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Hi, I'm Paul Ferrandi, and welcome to Incredible Paul Leadership, where we learn how to become the most incredible versions of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, I have the honor of having Jonathan Javier on the podcast. He is a first-gen Filipino-American, the CEO and co-founder co-founder of One Salting, whose mission is to turn underdogs into winners. He's been featured in several places, including Forbes 30 Under 30, New York Times, and several other places. That was just a brief introduction, Jonathan. Bob, are you introduce yourself the way you would do it? Thanks, Paul, for having me. Really appreciate it and excited to be here. Oh, as, Paul you. Said, as Paul said, I'm one of the co-founders here at One Salting, running the ship here, turning underdogs into winners, helping those who come from non-traditional backgrounds break into their dream careers. Previously worked at Snapchat, Google, Cisco before doing one salting full-time, which is basically the best thing that's ever <laughs> happened to me. Um, yeah, and then Forbes 30 Under 30, which, which was about two years ago, been featured on major publications for a lot of the career tips that I share, mm -hmm. whether it's on Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Business Insider, and... Yeah, just very excited to be here, share some tips, and hopefully your listeners can find some good value in it. Yes, definitely. I'm sure you're going to get a, a lot of value. Speaking of value, that is something you do a lot of, having over 2 million followers across all social media platforms. You create a lot of content. And how did you even start on this journey of creating content in the first place? Yeah, Paul, it's crazy because it all just came together one day when I was trying to think about different ways of how to network with people. Mm -hmm. And this what started when I was still a student and I was doing what most people were doing. They were applying to jobs, which is great, applying to jobs. But especially if you come from a non-target school, which is a school mm -hmm. that companies won't necessarily recruit from. Yeah a bit difficult to compare yourself and get more opportunities compared to a target school, yeah, like an Ivy League school. So I always thought about what could I do differently than everybody else that could help me stand out? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways was networking. So mm -hmm. 
how I was able to connect with so many, I had no connections at these big name companies like the Googles, mm-hmm. the Deloitte's, Goldman Sachs of the world. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that I started networking with people was through content. And okay. how, yeah, I started on LinkedIn. Okay. So I did a video series, something like this, but okay. what I would do, Paul, is I would invite myself to the company. This is when before COVID, obviously. Yeah. Okay. But I would invite myself to the companies and network with professionals. I okay. found something in common between myself and the other person. Yeah. And I'd say, hey, by the way, like I'm doing a series where I'm interviewing people who work at these respective companies trying to help underdogs break into their dream companies mm-hmm. would you like to be interviewed and a lot of people are like sure like you have i, I grew it to like five thousand followers at that time it's like five thousand awesome so i go to the office i take my phone and i do a a selfie video with them next to me and i'd say hey what's up i'm here with jermaine he is a account strategist here at google jermaine you That's want to amazing. choose yourself reason why i did that was it was a good rapport builder to network mm-hmm. with those folks I then posted it on LinkedIn. They would mm-hmm. like and comment on it. And then guess who their followers are or connections. Oh, yeah. People who work at Google, Google. for example. Yeah. So yeah. that created this ecosystem of people seeing my profile. I reached out to them. And then that's how I grew my network on LinkedIn. That's really so smart. Start on LinkedIn. And then I don't know how deep you want me to go into these topics. Yeah, but keep going. Very keep passionate going. about it. Yeah. And then on LinkedIn was growing. I think it hit around. 80k wow and kind of hit a plateau Mm -hmm. just like in 2020 Mm -hmm. so decided to get on tiktok and create content take basically taking the same type of video content then and go to tiktok yeah oh tiktok was only for kids (laughs) right i felt (laughs) the same way it was all the tiktok dances and generation z on there yeah right like you won't see me doing you won't see us doing any dances there right (laughs) But it started creating content there. There wasn't a lot of career creators. This is in mm-hmm. December 2020. And mm-hmm. one of my posts basically went viral. It was wow. me talking about my resume. Mm. And then that basically spearheaded all of the followers that came about. I was doing lives almost every other day. And wow. basically the TikTok channel to 950K on the wow. one channel. And then I have my own personal that's 300K. Wow. And then moved all the content from TikTok to Instagram. And now on Instagram, I think I have 580K. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is that I try to think about for content creation, how do you cross post on different channels? Mm. We're able to provide value on each channel Yeah. because you know that people, not everyone's going to see your content on one channel. Yeah. You get into multiple channels and that's how I basically got into content creation. Yeah. that That's really amazing. I, I like kind of the, the evolution you took from really start doing it in, in person, you were recording to create that network and create connections with people, which I say, like from everything you post, everything you do, you are a master networker. I will probably get back to that uh, from doing that from LinkedIn to the transition to TikTok and Instagram. There's a lot of intentionality there. And I, I, I love that. 100%. And when you're creating content, the thing is for me, what I consider creating content, it's not something that I have to do. It's something I enjoy doing. Mm. And it's big differentiators, differentiators between the two, because if you're just doing it as a job, it's going to get very repetitive. Yeah. But if you enjoy doing it and you're very happy doing it, yeah, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see a lot of the feedback and challenges that 
in my case, my niche is job seekers, mm-hmm. what job seekers face. And you can mm-hmm. build products. You can build solutions for those problems, which we've done at one Sulting. Yes. That's how I basically figure out how do we get that? How do we create problem? How do we create solutions to solve problems for our millions of followers? Definitely. And you all, because you brought up the solutions you're creating with Juan Saltine. I love what you all are doing with leveraging AI. And really, you were doing, you, I feel like you guys were using AI really before ChatGPT got big. As far as I know, now you have resume AI, you have networking AI, um, you have a, a couple other things. So talk me through like how you guys even came upon, let's use AI to help job seekers like before chat gpt blew up yeah it all started in 2021 it took about a year process to figure Mm -hmm. out okay what do we want to build Mm -hmm. as a product so when we were thinking of our product offerings we were thinking about okay based on the data that we've seen from our followers Mm -hmm. based on the feedback that we've seen whether it's through comments whether it's through interviewing people one-on-one, whether it's through our clients who work with us Mm -hmm. on one-on-one services, Mm -hmm. what are the biggest challenges that they face and what tools are out there that are solving those problems? Mm -hmm. So we saw that there were, there were tools out there that were solving those problems. Mm -hmm. However, they were at the 50% mark, not close to the hundred percent mark. Okay. Just halfway there. Yeah. So then that's why we started our first iteration of resume. I, which was in, it was actually exactly a year ago in September, 2022. Oh, wow. So we launched Resume AI as the first iteration. It was meant to, especially for job seekers, because the biggest challenge was people don't know how, they have great experiences, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to convey that experience yeah. on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. nor do they know what specific skills and experiences they should include in there to showcase that they're a qualified candidate. Yes. So resume AI was formed first, and then we did uh, network AI, which was a few months down the line, which is basically how do you find recruiters and hiring managers who mm. are hiring for roles? Yeah. And how do you connect with professionals who come from similar backgrounds? Yes. Then cover letter AI, which is the cover letter. And yeah. then we have auto apply AI, which we just launched oh, last wow. month, where awesome. people can automatically apply to jobs. And wow. they the click of a button, which is like the first of its kind. Yeah, I've never heard of that before I saw you guys were doing that. Right. So then now a year later, we have about 700, I think we're coming up on 700,000 users. Wow. Same. Yeah. Yes. All in all, all I'm trying to say is the products that we created were meant to serve individuals who came from our mission and our core values, Mm. those underdogs, because underdogs do not have the information Mm -hmm. that maybe other privileged individuals have mm-hmm. where they might have connections. They already have mentors. Yeah. English is their first language, mm-hmm. but you have to consider folks, for example, who don't have those connections Yes, who might be in the first in their families going to college or mm-hmm. getting a job. Mm-hmm. Those who don't even speak English. Yes. So those tools were meant to solve those problems for those individuals. And that's why you've grown it now to what it is today. And we're always doing iterations because we hear feedback all the time from our social media following. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's important, especially when you're building and growing a product. Yeah, that's that's very important when you're growing a product and very critical to, to leadership. So 
it's incredible leadership and it's one of the key things of lead good leaders is having a vision and your vision as far as turning undergrad underdogs into winners you have you put that on the forefront and that feels like that's your north star in everything that you're doing and so i think that's really important when you're a leader to have that vision but not only have that vision but to have the people alongside you to help put that vision into place and just keep going with that. Agreed. It's all about building that vision, getting people who are aligned with that vision and who exhibit your core values. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to communicate that effectively to your team members and they're all aligned on it, mm -hmm. then the sky's the limit. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel stuck? Then coaching might be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L.org slash coaching, or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. Or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. I encourage people all the time to create their own vision boards and mm -hmm. not just talk about their future, yeah. right? Instead, you draw your future. Yeah. Because if you're able to visualize it on a piece of paper, even if you're the worst artist. like the <laughs> That worst would be artist, me. <laughs> right? Like I'm the worst artist. But if you're able to draw your future and you can visualize what you want to achieve, you're more able and you're more motivated to achieve that goal because it's set in your mind and you say, oh, wow, like that's what I want to achieve. How do I make that dream a reality? Mm. That's really powerful. As far as finding those people, what is your process as far as how do you find the right people to help you with one salting or like what was your process of building out one salting in the first place i guess yeah we hired our we've historically had a lot of part-time people on our team mm -hmm. since when, when we first started mostly just part-time mm -hmm. interns and we hired our first full-time person at the end of 2021 mm -hmm. and so how i look at hiring is one of the most important things is do they connect with our core values and our mission that's mm -hmm. like number one okay the reason being is in for us like our core values are passion for helping others above and beyond service mm -hmm. excel at all we do drive mm -hmm. with data i mean that's just some of them yeah but the reason why i hire for values is because if people align with your values and your culture or people about align with your values and your mission they'll ultimately fit into your culture mm. well, right? They, you can already identify that they are the right person. You just now have to identify, do you have the right seat for them? So yeah. for us, like I'm in charge of marketing, customer experience, uh, B2B, I, sales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. My co-founder, Jerry, he's more product engineering. Okay. So then when I felt like, for marketing, like I do marketing all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I felt like I reached a point where I said, there's so many things on my plate. How can I get someone who's also passionate about marketing, mm -hmm. who 
has the same values mm -hmm. as me, who has the same mission as me, fill mm -hmm. this department or function. Mm -hmm. That's how we identified our first full-time employee, Katie. Okay. Shout out to Katie. Yeah, awesome. She has been with us now for about, I think, a year and a half. Nice. All I'm trying to say is when you have the right people in the right place, it drives your business even bigger than it is. And you're both working on the same goal. Mm. And that's why for one soul thing, we have a very low turnover. A lot of people stay. A lot of people have been here for over a year, year and a half. And it's just been amazing just having a team like that of now 25 plus people. Wow. That is so incredible that everything I'm sensing from you, what you do is a lot of intentionality and really being specific. And I can tell that culture and values is something that is really foundational to what you do. Is that, have you always felt that way? Or is that something that you kind of learned um, as you were either creating one salting or even before when you were doing a lot of speaking and uh, conferences and workshops uh, beforehand? It comes mostly from my own experience with job searching. Okay. Because I always thought to myself, if I were to work at a company, what values do I want that company to exhibit? And how do I mm. want them to picture me as an employee? Yeah. So when I identified, for example, oh, like when I was at Google, it's a great culture where you're able to work closely with your manager and your peers, mm -hmm. and you're helping others for the greater good. Then I said to myself, okay, let's exhibit that same value into consulting when we hire. Mm -hmm. So it's come a lot from the experiences that I've had, okay, but also from the people that I've associated and spoken with. Okay. And that's why I believe mentors are so important, yes. especially in this day and age, because mentors are going to be the ones who give you the guidance necessary for you to achieve what you seek to achieve. Mm. And they're also going to be the ones who constructively give you feedback Yes, when others will just tell you, hey, Paul, you're doing really well. <laughs> when in fact, yeah, you, like Paul, you're doing really well, right? But the best feedback, I believe, is one that has constructive feedback, mm -hmm. but is, is intentionally given so that you can improve on it. It's not to put you down, but it's to give yeah. you actual action and intentional steps to make that fault something better, something positive. And that's what I've learned throughout my whole experience, being an entrepreneur and being in the corporate world. Yeah, I, I'm really glad you mentioned that as far as mentorship and also the importance of constructive feedback, because I've heard it said that feedback is a gift, but depending on who's giving the feedback, sometimes it's a gift you don't want to receive. <laughs> so I, I think it's important that you find the right mentors that are because there is such a thing as toxic positivity. So they're telling you everything is good when I, in reality it's not good, whether because they are afraid to tell you something negative or they are just not really, maybe they're not in a, a good mentorship space to actually see where the gaps are. And I think that just comes with being intentional about who you're seeking out mentorship from and making sure you as the mentee are you're putting them in a good situation so that they feel comfortable giving you feedback. Cause I feel like, Oh, go ahead. You were about to say something. No, I was saying that's such a great point, Paul, because I, I love how you talk about toxic positivity 
because toxic positivity comes when, for example, maybe you're only talking about positive things and Mm -hmm. you feel that, for example, let's say that you have a mentor mentee relationship Mm -hmm. and your mentor is only telling you positive things about their life. And you say to yourself, well, I don't want to say anything negative because this person's not saying anything positive or anything negative. Yeah. Same thing with team. Because for example, when I worked in corporate companies, sometimes everyone would just only talk about positive things. Mm -hmm. Great. But then when I had a fault or when I felt like something I didn't agree with, I would think to myself, well, I don't want to break this Mm -hmm. barrier of all this positivity. Mm -hmm. So I love that you mentioned that because it, it's about the culture of, and it starts with the leader. Yeah, it starts it does. with the leader first saying this is an issue, and saying yes, like I identified this as an issue mm-hmm. rather than, and it's something that I learned throughout the past couple of years because before mm-hmm. I'd only talk about positive things. I'd be like, mm-hmm. we're doing great as company, like this is good. We're we have uh, our outlook, and we're reaching our OKRs, yeah. we're on pace. When in reality team members want to hear like what are we lagging behind mm-hmm. it because then they know that it's a culture of oh i can bring that up and i will not be scolded for it mm-hmm. all i'm trying to say is it starts with the leader and that's important especially with any team you join yeah that, that's so critical leadership is foundational to everything we do um, it all begins and ends with leadership and it's i had a previous podcast that somebody was talking about well, a couple of them they talked about this whole idea of psychological safety and i think that is really important that the your people feel the they have room to speak up when they feel things aren't going right that they're not gonna be either shut down or not listened to or at the worst case fired for bringing up those things and so I think those are definitely key things to look for in a leader that you're you're working for. Totally. <laughs> for sure. So I know we've been talking a lot about mentorship and leadership, but I also want um, everyone listening to know more about some of the key things you do at One Salting as far as maybe, well, we'll just, we'll keep it pretty basic as far as let's something that a, uh, a job seeker who has been applying to different jobs, um, not getting um, interviews or phone requests, what is something that they should think about or should do besides just going to onesalting.com and uh, signing up for for something? But what's something they could could start with right now to that would be make a difference for them? Yeah, that's such a great question, Paul. You know, when I hear job seekers saying that they've applied to hundreds of roles mm-hmm. and they haven't gotten any interviews. I empathize with the situation because mm-hmm. that was before. Yeah. But what I realize is that the, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, and you're getting the same results, but you expect different results, mm-hmm. it's not going to pan out. And yeah. that was a mistake that I made when I was on my job search as a student. Yeah. I submitted the same resume every time, same cover letter, applied and that's it yeah but in this day and age where i was reading a statistic before this and i remember the percentage it's one of the highest unemployment rates in the united states so far mm. correct me if i'm wrong and I think someone so. correct me but 
I remember the employ unemployment rate right now. I think it's over six million people who are unemployed. I think so, something like it's that. It's insane. But according yeah. to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and why I bring up that number is because if the statistic the statistic of unemployed persons is increasing dramatically, and the number of companies conducting layoffs and having positions is having positions is getting smaller, mm. and it's the job market is just very difficult to land yes. an opportunity from. Yeah. So traditional methods of applying to jobs, great. I definitely recommend you do that. Mm -hmm. But for a company that you truly want to work in, that's in your core companies you want to work for, mm -hmm. I definitely recommend networking with people who are at those companies. Mm -hmm. But not just networking with random people. For example, if I'm going for a sales role, Mm -hmm. Sure, I can network with someone in engineering, but they know nothing about the sales function. Yeah, that's true. So what I would do as a job seeker is network with someone in the sales function who is in the same role that I want to be in, or number two, network with a hiring manager or a recruiter who's recruiting for that role. Mm. How do you do this? Yeah. Well, all you got to do is if you just go on LinkedIn and you go search the field you're interested in on LinkedIn... And then you just type, let's just say sales, mm -hmm. put sales. And then at the end, you can just put hiring. Mm -hmm. And then you, at the end, again, with the filters, you just put whatever company. So let's just say Tesla, let's say Tesla at a random. Yeah. You'll find all the recruiters who are hiring directly for Tesla in sales. Okay. There's okay. hundreds of them. Yeah. And then you reach out to them. But then the next question, Paul, is, well, what is if they don't respond? Yeah. Well, what do you do? Everybody says this, just move on to the next person. There's hundreds mm -hmm. of people. The mistake that job seekers make is they dwell on things that they can't control. Mm. You can't control someone responding to you unless you literally are at their doorstep saying, hey, give me a, give me an interview right now, which obviously you're not. So <laughs> all I'm trying to say is that doing that non-traditional way is a way where you could potentially get a response. And maybe the worst response is they'll say, go apply on the website, which you probably already have. Yeah. But the best one is saying, Hey, sure. I'd love to take you up on that offer and let's get you an interview. Wow. No, I, I like that. You, you really broke that down really well as far as what you're supposed to do on LinkedIn to find those people. And I think it's really key that we as jobs, job seekers don't get stuck on when we don't get responses. So that's something I talk about a lot as far as resilience. And I know you talk about rejection being redirection, which is really powerful. But one of the, the first things I talk about, so it's like a 10 step thing. I do. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the, the R in resilience is that rejection is inevitable. There's no one in life, no thing that you're going to do that you're not going to face rejection at some point. And if you can look at it depressing on one end like oh i'm gonna fail at some point or i just like focus on the positive is that everyone that is successful has also failed and probably failed hundreds of times so just because you're failing doesn't mean that it's the end you can move on like you said to that next person or that next job opportunity and just keep put moving forward like you always say to rejection is redirection and Paul, I, I'm loving that you're talking about this because like you said, people will dwell on the rejections and sometimes they won't even go for things because they think they're going to get rejected, but mm, it's all yeah. in the mind, right? It's yeah, all in the it's mind. In mind. That's why on my LinkedIn post, 
people always ask me, Jonathan, you're always saying, like, go apply to that job, like rejections, redirection. And the reason why I keep saying this is because not to be repetitive, but because there's still people out there who still self-reject themselves. Yes. Yeah. Have to make yeah. it a reoccurring process and a yeah. habit to continuously tell people, hey, mm-hmm. know this. And the worst thing that'll happen is if you, for example, for your podcast, Paul, I'm mm-hmm. sure you reached out to hundreds of people and yeah. I'm sure that people have not responded, yeah. right? Yeah, it happens. But you didn't suffer. Maybe you felt some days where you're saying, I don't want to reach out to this person because I feel like they're going to be bothering them. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, they're not going to respond and I feel like they're busy. But when in fact people are willing to respond, right? Like yeah. I, I responded to, like, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's a perfect example. That, yeah. And I, I think that it's just so important, like what you're doing mm-hmm. and what people can learn is that the worst thing that can happen is they don't respond. Even mm-hmm. a no is great yeah. because you know, a yes is of course, obviously better, Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's how it works. And you're you can have a lot of no's, but you focus on the yeses. That's very good to, to focus on the yeses because what you focus on really grows. If you focus on your failures, it's going to continue to grow. You focus on not that I'm failing, but I'm I'm learning. So reframing failure to learning. There's a really good book by John Maxwell that some it's called Sometimes You Win and Sometimes the fail is crossed out and so sometimes you learn. So instead of looking at failure as something that's negative, seeing it as what can I learn from this failure and do something different. And something different might just be uh, looking at someone else or uh, uh, reaching out to someone else. But like you were saying in your job search and what you learned is that you had to do something different. As far as like, I think it's Einstein that said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And so I think it's a lot of, there's a lot of emotional intelligence in what you're saying as far as really being self-aware. And also the key thing, like what you're saying, you continue to talk about rejection being redirection, that's self-talk. So that's something that you're saying to yourself and it's getting to other people. And that is the reason why you're able to transform millions of lives love it (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool so before we were talking about the job seeking i know we were talking we're talking a lot of uh, mentorship and i Mm -hmm. is there someone in your life i'm sure there's a few people but either maybe when you were about to start one salting or maybe were there days that you weren't sure about keeping it going was there a key mentor or mentors that helped you as you were on this journey? Yeah, there are so many mentors that have definitely helped me along this journey. Yeah. And for the mentors that I usually have gotten, it's ones that I didn't say, hey, be my mentor. (laughs) It's more of this person already exhibits that mentorship capabilities or has already exhibited that they are helping me out of goodwill. Yeah. And those are the people that I felt that have mentored me extremely well. One of the mentors that I had a really profound impact on me was um, his name is Pedro. And he was one of the first people that truly believed in me that I could work mm. in like a tech company. Wow. He worked at LinkedIn and that was my dream company at the time to work yeah. at LinkedIn. Yeah. And he connected me with recruiters and professionals that were at those companies mm that could have a say in the interview process. 
And that's how I basically got to the final round with LinkedIn. Mm. Didn't get the offer. Instead, oh. went to Google instead, which was, okay. you know, the rejections redirection. It was a yeah, that's a good place to land. <laughs> right. But what I'm trying to say is that mentor, he had a big impact on me because he was the one, even though I got rejected for the role, he said, I remember this big thing, big thing he said, which I mentioned in a lot of workshops. I even have a screenshot of it when I talk mm. about workshops. He always said, don't worry about it. We'll find a way somehow to get you at LinkedIn. Mm. But I love that because he talks about how resilience, like you said, is key. Mm-hmm. You're going to have times where you're going to be on top of the world. You're going to be on times when you're down in the mud and mm-hmm. you can't get up. But as long as you keep on going, as long as you get back on your feet, and as long as you learn from every mistake that you've made, which he taught me a lot of, you iterate it for the next, the next interview you have mm-hmm. or the next application. Because if you keep repeating the same mistake, same things over and over again, you're going to get the same outcome. But yeah. if you change something, and you even A-B test things, right? Mm-hmm. You A-B test, maybe you apply to 50 jobs, you network with 50 people, which one gets more responses? Okay, yeah. 25, 50 people got more responses. Then out of the 50 people, okay, now go comment on their LinkedIn post, 25 of them. The mm-hmm. other one just sent them a message. Okay, now the 25 people I commented on the post, they responded more than the one I just messaged. Mm-hmm. Great, so now I know that by connecting with people, then commenting on their posts, then sending them a message. I know that has a bigger percentage of mm. response rate than me just applying to a job. Yeah. See how I did that? Yeah. So I always try to think about the A-B testing. And that's a, that's what I've learned a lot from mentors. How do you just test things? You go with it. And if you make a mistake, so what? Go to the next thing. Yeah. So that's, that's a word there. So what? Go to the next thing. It's just... Is that continual process of learning, like the failure is not the end. And also you being willing to to listen to your, your mentor as well, because I, I don't know if you've had situations that you try to mentor some people and they weren't as receptive or they, maybe they thought that things were going to be easier that they're going to, than they were actually going to be. But I think there is definitely work on, on both sides. First of all, for the mentor to pour out from themselves, like their advice. And I, I always said, I'm a leadership coach. I say that good mentors ask like coaching questions, more open-ended questions to see like what's inside of you. And then it can help course correct if you don't understand or you need some help. But at the same time on the mentee side to be receptive to what they're saying, because yes, we all have goals and aspirations, but it's key to look to the people who are coming before us. And I mean, obviously like in, in life and in business, we, we try different things and there's things that are, that reinvent the wheel. But I think you can also gain a lot of insight from other people's experiences, as opposed to always having to fail on your own. So you can fail differently. Learn from other people's failures, learn from your mentors' failures. Yeah. And the mentorship part and and you know this as a leadership coach, mm-hmm. that especially with mentors, there's two things. Number one, mentors usually won't even give you the answer. They mm-hmm. will question your own answer and make mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. about the answer yourself. They mm-hmm. won't give you the solution. They'll just identify the problem. They'll question the problem. Mm-hmm. And then you can come up with a solution together or yourself. Yeah. Number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, 
it as a mentor it's giving freely to the mentee you should never expect anything in return yeah it's never transactional mm -hmm. right i remember before when monsulting first started i thought to myself i was helping thousands of people i was getting on phone chats mm -hmm. paul like well less than one percent of them kept in touch oh, and i wow. said to myself wow what the heck none of these people are are thanking me for mm. me helping them mm. but when i thought about it i said to myself well i should change that mindset you mm. give freely to the world and the world will give freely back to you and that's what i've exhibited throughout the past three years now and i don't expect anything in return from anybody right yeah but you know that from god's grace and from yeah. all your blessings that things will come into place and there'll be good things and good things for you in the future and that's what i always try to think about no that's really powerful that to give freely and that's that's a lot of introspection uh, that you went through to like you're doing all these things and i think it, it's human nature because you're, you're you're continuing to pour out and pour out and pour out but then when you you switch the, the mindset into uh just continuing to give and uh, like what you're saying with god's grace so I, i'm a person of faith so i truly believe in that when you give you're just you're sowing a seed that if it's it not may not necessarily be in that person but in the universe or what god does and it's gonna it's gonna come back to you to somehow it might not be like in a monetary way but a lot of it is on the fulfillment side as far as when you see that person being successful or maybe that person is able to turn around and impact others. I think that's really great as well. The most important thing, just keep giving, giving, giving. And it will, like you said, it you'll plant the seed, it'll grow to others and the others will plant the seed as well. And it'll free flow to so many people to help help so many people in general. Yeah, oh, th that's really good. So I know at the beginning, we were talking a lot about content creation. And then you mentioned that you, you're the co-founder, you're the CEO. How are you able to balance content creation and being the CEO? Because I feel like people who are on the CEO side are not the same people who are doing content creation. So how are you able to do both of those things? It's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because as a content creator, I'm a full-time content creator. At the same time, I'm a full-time CEO and co-founder. Yeah. So how I try to balance it is I utilize the creator space as a way to gather data and gather different pain points from users to mm -hmm. flow into my CEO position because okay. then I can know what the vision of the company okay. entails and what products and solutions we're going to be creating internally. Mm -hmm. Another thing is setting up the correct systems, mm. Set systems and people. Yeah. Two most important things. Number one for content creation, like only thing that I will do is I will record the videos mm -hmm. and then I will send it to my videographer. Okay. One thing that I did, which was really interesting was I acquired my own video company. Oh, wow. Called called Unchained Agency. I, Unchained I Agency. acquired them. Wow. How I acquired them, crazy. I acquired them. This is more of an entrepreneurship thing. I acquired them for, for zero dollars. What? How'd you let do that? Let me explain. So yeah. 
this is more of advice for people who probably have bigger following. So I would mm-hmm. will say that I am privileged in that way to do this. But yeah. for those who are going to be eventually going to get there, this is how mm-hmm. I basically did it. Mm-hmm. Thought about, I looked at my PNL and I said, wow, I have a, a expense of a couple thousand dollars going to content creation. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, how can I help an agency or a video creator or video video person, a videographer mm-hmm. who wants to expand their brand? How can I help them through my following of 2 million followers? Mm-hmm. So I had a guy who was, name is Dewaz. He was creating mm-hmm. content for me and I was paying him. Mm-hmm. Right? But then I told him, I'm like, hey, if I just acquire your company and I post about you and I tag you in all my videos that you create, I assume that people are going to sign up with you and you can charge them double. Yeah. So he said, oh, yeah, that's, that's such a great idea. So I basically acquired his company and I acquired wow. an equity stake in his company as well. Wow. And I get free videos. I get free content. It's an investment. Yeah. So then I just sent him, I just sent like this more of an entrepreneurship. I just yeah. sent him all my videos. He records, he creates it. And then I shot him out. All I'm trying to say wow. is that then I have that system already in place for the content creation. Yeah. Then you go to the, the people side, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I remember before that I, ke- I kept doing a lot is I, I did a lot of executional work. Mm-hmm. Just fine to do. Mm-hmm. But you are hiring, like the people under you that you hired are the people who are going to align with what you need to get done that you can't do. Mm-hmm. So for example, like as a CEO, I'm not going to go on Zoho desk and go respond to customers. Probably mm-hmm. not. I hired someone already for that. Yeah. So what I think about is when I'm hiring, I think about who do I have in what seat right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. I have this person in the senior marketing manager. Mm -hmm. I have this person, a sixth associate. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, what seats are open that I'm filling right now that I could get someone to fill that seat if I feel like I already am an expert at that field. Wow. Right. So for example, Marketing. That's the example I gave in the beginning. Marketing. Yeah. I already felt like an expert, passed it on. Yeah. CX did a lot of it, passed it on to a CX lead. Wow. B2B, and that's something I'm not an expert at. So what I did was I'm still doing B2B myself. Okay. Learning B2B because I'm actually interested in it. And then eventually I'll hire someone. Wow. So then all my time is focused on new business. And then overseeing some old business, but new business, B2B. Mm-hmm. How do we grow one something AI to businesses, companies? Mm-hmm. That's how I think about it. And that's how I'm able to allocate time and delegate tasks. Yeah. That that's really good. That's a really key element of good leadership is delegation and also understanding your own strengths. Like you were mentioning that you you get to a place where you feel like you're an expert. So then you you pass that on to someone else. So you can focus on the other key things that you you need to do or really want to do. Because that that's that's a key thing with leaders is that a lot of times we feel like if we are the best person for the job that we can't do give it to someone else that they can only do it like 80% as good. But that's the only way they're going to learn. And then they have you there to get them to that to that next level. So. And Paul, piggybacking, piggybacking off that, if you are the smartest in your company, your company's ceiling is on you. Mm, that's true. So what I think about is like, I am, okay, great. I'm expert on marketing in one function, which is social media. Mm-hmm. I'm not in digital marketing. I'm not in ads. 
So I got someone on my team who's good at ads, who's good at SMS, who's good at um, email marketing. Yeah. Now they run it. Wow. Like I can give ideas, Yeah. but she is smarter in that realm yeah. compared to me. Like I can be a thought partner. Yeah. But how I think about hiring again is who's smarter than me at a specific yeah. function. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know everything. No, at the end of the day. I mean, we wish we could, I could wish yeah. I wish I could read a book every day and, <laughs> and do that. You know, I try to, but yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to have a very, you have, you have a big mind of knowing different things, but yeah. you just have to know where to allocate that time. Oh, that's really key. I think good leaders focus on the things that they're the best at and going and making sure that's really good as opposed to trying to fix their weaknesses. Because if you are, like you say, you're marketing that you're a 10 in marketing, but maybe on the engineering side, you're like a four, like at the best, maybe you could get to a six. So it's better if you focus all your time on marketing and trying to get the engineering to something else. And you can get someone who's already a 10 or maybe someone who's an eight and has the ability to get to a 10. Oh yeah. Like I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to code. So we, that's why I have a head of engineering. That's why yeah. I have three software engineers. Yeah. They know it more than me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be like, Hey, like you're doing this wrong. <laughs> they, could, they know how to do it already. Like you missed that line of code there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chat GPT. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. For sure. Well, I, I really loved our conversation, but we are almost out of time. But I want to make sure that there isn't anything that we haven't shared. because We've been talking a lot about leadership and mentorship, talk about one salting, talk about your your journey in one salting. Is there anything you haven't shared either about yourself or one salt one salting that you don't want this audience to leave without knowing? Yeah, I think one of the most important things about one salting is Consulting started as a side hustle and mm. it eventually became a main hustle. Mm. And why I want to identify that is because a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs fall into entrepreneurship because their side hustles eventually overcome their main hustles. Mm. And that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. What I tell people all the time is my biggest advice is sure, you can start working at a startup as your first job. But what I actually recommend is go work at a corporate company. Mm-hmm who exhibits number one, the same values that you have. And number two, that has a product or is offering something that you want to offer in the future. Mm. So for example, like if I'm trying to start a course offering course SaaS company mm-hmm. and I'll go work at Coursera mm-hmm. because then I'll learn how Coursera operates. Mm-hmm. They're already a billion dollar company. Yeah. Why can't I replicate that for my own company? Yeah, that's true. That's what I did basically with Snapchat, Google, Cisco, learned their processes and said to myself, okay, this is how they hire. How can I get other people hired at these companies? Wow. That's how I think about it. That That's really powerful. Like the, the way you think you're... The, the systems that you put in place. So I, I love systems. My background's in chemical engineering. There's a lot of processes and systems. So I can geek out on, on systems and the different stuff you create. So I it, it's so critical that you are intentional of learning because yeah, you can learn a lot at a startup, but the startup itself is learning also. It's You can learn a lot by going to an established company and also by... Uh, going to consulting and learning how you, if you are an underdog, 
to be able to get into those careers, your dream jobs, your dream careers, the stuff that you are doing that's truly turning underdogs into winners. It's powerful. Definitely. I appreciate that, Paul. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. It's very exciting. I love doing these. Yeah, for sure. It was really great having you. I want to make sure people know how to stay connected with you on on all your socials, definitely. Yeah, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Jonathan Javier. And then on Instagram, it's Jonathan Words of Wisdom. And then on TikTok, it's just my Jonathan Words of Wisdom. And then also I run the One Salting page, but I've been doing a lot more on my personal page nowadays because I already grew up that part. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if anyone is interested in Wansulting, check out Wansulting.com or Wansulting.ai for our AI products. They're free yes. to start using and try them out for your job search. And hopefully you can use it to land a job. Yes, definitely. I encourage everyone on here to definitely connect with Jonathan. So much wisdom, so much content you put out that it's it's not only informational and helpful, but it's also fun the way you do it. So you have really honed that in. It's and it, it it's not always the same. It changes a little bit. So I can tell that you spend a lot of time and a lot. I feel like a lot of people who aren't in the content creation space don't realize how much time it takes to craft that and really make it work and the iterations and the re-records, the render, all the stuff that goes into it. So shout out to you for just sticking with that along with leading this amazing organization. Appreciate that, Paul. And thank you so much for having a podcast like this. Definitely need more of these and excited to see what happens next for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So for everyone listening, stop listening, go follow Jonathan on his socials, connect with one salting so that you can keep being incredible be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform we'll see you here next time and be incredible incredible, incredible.